On December 26, 2019, an inmate, while in custody of the Graham County Sheriff's Office in Safford, Arizona, died after allegedly jumping out of the back of the officer's SUV. She suffered traumatic injury and was transported to the hospital in Tucson, where she was pronounced brain dead and removed from life support just two days later. And so at just 28 years old, the tragic life of Jordan Marie Sims was over. But was this just an accident? Because just a few days before the incident, Jordan accused two officers of sexual assault. I'm your host, Michael, and this is Strange and Unexplained. After being diagnosed with lupus and rheumatoid arthritis, Jordan developed an addiction to the painkiller OxyContin, an addiction that jump-started her struggle with narcotics. In 2015, when the OxyContin was no longer effective in managing her pain, Jordan turned to something else for self-medicating, and that something else was unfortunately heroin. The single mother of three and Safford native had a hard time overcoming the addiction and lost custody of her children in 2018. They reside with her great-grandparents now. Jordan's family describes her as being a very funny person and a prankster. She always made everyone laugh. Jordan's mother says at the time of her arrest, she was 30 days clean and working on overcoming her addiction. Jordan Marie Sims was picked up on December 21, 2019, allegedly for shoplifting, and, taking, and she was taken into custody due to an outstanding warrant for previous charges. Although she was originally picked up for shoplifting, no items were found on her or recorded as being recovered. Also, two officers arrived to pick up Sims that night, and she was placed inside the female officer's car, but was asked by Officer French to move her to his patrol car because he was in charge of the case. Sims was taken to the hospital by ambulance, followed by Officer French, to be examined after she insisted she needed medical attention. Officer French said Jordan had claimed to be pregnant, and she said she was having issues related to the pregnancy. So he called an ambulance. While waiting on the test results to come back, Sims said she was alone with only French in the exam room for about 20 to 30 minutes, and this is when she alleged that the assault happened. Sims was found to not be pregnant, but healthy, so she was released into the custody of the Officer French, who took her into booking. Video footage caught Sims and French arriving at the detention center, and when French turns his back on Sims, she attempts to flee, but is tackled by him and another officer and brought back immediately. When asked about her attempted escape, Jordan claims she was scared of Officer French and had a fight-or-flight response to the gate being opened. Two days later, while in custody, she accused her arresting officer French of sexual assault and an investigation was started by the Arizona Department of Public Safety. Sims claimed while waiting in the exam room, Officer French began to touch and rub on her breasts. He then moved his hand into her pants and penetrated her with his fingers. During the alleged time of the assault and during her arrest, Officer French's body cam was not turned on. Shocker. And he wrote in his report that it was cut off by request of the hospital staff. 
They were worried about the privacy of other patients. But this incident took place inside a room with just him and Sims. He should have turned it on while being alone just with her. It was noted that Jordan was at the hospital for almost two hours before being released. On December 23rd, Sims was taken to the Sierra Vista Advocacy Center, where she underwent a rape examination. Upon her return to the detention center in the early morning hours on the 24th, she was taken to a shower room with a female officer. While inside this room, Sims claims she was sexually assaulted again. Again, she was in a location with no cameras. This time, though, by the female officer, Kiana Bays, who supervised her in that shower room. During interview, Sims describes how she was told to bend over and cough twice. Then, when she coughed the second time, she felt an object forced into her rectum and claims the officer told her, quote, that is what it feels like to really be sexually assaulted, end quote. She also allegedly told her, quote, why don't you go ahead and report this? Because no one is going to believe you now, end quote. The officer was alluding that Jordan had cried wolf when she reported Officer French. Video footage outside the shower room showed that Officer Bays did enter the shower room with Sims and then exits with her restraints just under two minutes later. She then returns to the shower room seconds later, carrying a roll of toilet paper. She's seen carrying no other objects into the room and claims that Sims' accusations are false. Bayes claims that Jordan had threatened to file a claim against her because she would not bring her a blanket, which they wouldn't because they had Sims on suicide watch. Sims was given only a green smock and placed in a solitary cell so she could be observed 24-7 by staff and cameras. She was allowed to call her mother several times over those few days, and on December 25, 2019, Deborah Sanchez spoke to her daughter one last time. After reporting the second incident and also complaining of stomach pain, Jordan was taken for another exam, back to the Sierra Vista Advocacy Center on December 26th. Sucks that all this is going on during Christmas, too. It just occurred to me. During her exam, the nurse said there was additional bruising, but no visible evidence of the type of sodomy that Jordan claimed happened. She said if an object had been forcibly inserted, there would be signs of tearing that would have substantiated Jordan's claims, but there were none. Semen was found on Jordan, but it was located near her rectum, and she said French used his fingers, and Bayes used a large round item. Due to the size of the sample, DNA wasn't able to be extracted from the semen, which seems very odd to me. During the exam, Jordan told the nurse of the stomach pain she had been having since the assault occurred, and she suggested Sims be taken to the nearby hospital for a more in-depth exam. Arrangements were made for her to leave and to have a CAT scan to make sure she had no internal bleeding or tears. Upon leaving the advocacy center, Jordan was allowed to go to the bathroom alone, then placed back into the restraints she had arrived in, of which included wrist, ankle, and waist restraints. So her hands and feet were handcuffed, and they were handcuffed together, and then they were attached to the restraint chain that wrapped all the way around her waist. She was then placed inside the back of a Graham County Sheriff's Office SUV. Sims 
accompanied by two GCS officers, headed down the road to Mount Graham Regional Medical Center. But unfortunately for Sims, she never made it to the hospital that night. Just two blocks from the hospital, a nearby business's surveillance camera catches a glimpse of what happened. As the Ford Explorer enters the frame of the camera, something falls out behind it and comes to a stop in the middle of the road. It's the body of Jordan Sims. And according to the police, she escaped all her restraints, jumped out of the backseat of the moving vehicle, and was run over by the rear tires. The vehicle's brake lights illuminate. The almost pitch black night and the SUV comes to a quick halt. An officer exits the passenger side and runs back to where Jordan lies in the middle of the road, bleeding out of her head. The emergency lights of the SUV are flipped on and officers in the driver's seat turn the vehicle around in the road and drive over to where Jordan lay to keep her from being hit again. The SUV that was being driven that night was not the deputy who was behind the wheel's normal car. Her car had been taken to be worked on and she was driving a loaner car. The next video picks up as body cam footage from an officer who arrived after the incident. In the video, you hear the officer talking and in his voice and in his tone, you can tell that he is baffled at how Sims was successful at this escape. I could not find any body cam footage for the two officers accompanying Sims that night, which seems very odd. Jordan's restraints can be seen in the body cam footage still sitting in the back seat of the SUV, closed and accompanied by orange Crocs, which were provided to her at the detention center. There is also a small white tube of some sort lying next to her shoes with the lid open. It is revealed by police later that the tube was a shower gel consistent with the ones used by the Sierra Vista Advocacy Center. They claim that Jordan used the shower gel as lubricant to slip her hands and feet out of the cuffs. The body cam footage also catches the child lock on the SUV's doors and the lock on the passenger side, where Jordan came from, which was disengaged. If for some reason you're unfamiliar with child safety locks, um, or I'm sure they work different on different cars in different countries as well, um, but the way that these safety locks worked, this looks like it was a Ford Explorer or a Ford Expedition uh, that was being used to transport her. And um, well, most cars, the safety lock is on the side of the door, the, the part of the door that is covered up when the door is shut. Like you can't get to it with the door shut. The door has to be open to engage the safety lock. You can't touch it from the inside or the outside, right? But when this door was opened and an officer did capture that end of the door, and the child safety lock was unengaged. The transporting officer said it was locked when he put her in the car at the advocacy center. So somehow, Jordan managed, in the back of this vehicle, while under the supervision of two officers, to slip out of the chains unnoticed? Jordan's family was notified of her quote-unquote accident, and by the time they arrived at the hospital, she had already been declared brain dead. Her family made the tough decision to remove her from life support just two days later, and she died officially on December 28, 2019. The last video ever taken of Jordan Sims was during a walk of honor when her body was wheeled into an operating room so her organs could be removed for transplant. Officer French was put on paid administrative leave following the investigation, and Officer Bays has since resigned. 
The Department of Public Safety is conducting interviews into all incidents involving Jordan Sims, and Jordan's family is also filing a lawsuit against the sheriff's office. As of November of 2020, the Arizona Attorney General's office is declining to press criminal charges against any of the officers involved in Sims' case, claiming that one of the reasons was because the deputy was driving a, quote, swing car and may not have known how the locks work as they differed from her usual vehicle. Bullshit. Locks don't differ that much. However, the Sims family attorney, Benjamin Taylor, brought up the point that both of those officers were veterans and had been in the field for quite some time. And we are expected to believe that they didn't know how child safety locks work on SUV doors. Really? Another reason was that there was a lack of evidence to bring charges against either of the officers accused of assaulting her. Jordan Sims' mother, Deborah Sanchez, has been very public about her skepticism of her daughter's cause of death. Rightfully so. She believes that Jordan was pushed from the vehicle and didn't jump. She suspects it was to try and keep her quiet. Sanchez is now suing Graham County and the Graham County Sheriff's Office for negligence and wrongful death. So far, none of the investigations have proven rape or assault in the case of Jordan Sims. But what it has done is shed a light on a much, much bigger problem. Jordan's death, though tragic, has opened the door for other women in the Graham County Detention Center to come forward and reveal the sexual assault culture that exists inside the institution walls. A local news investigation uncovered the situation after interviewing several women who had been and were currently inside the detention center. They, declaim, they claimed that officers often asked for sexual favors in exchange for special treatment or even to exit their jail cells. Specifically, the actions of an officer named Brandon Palmer, who was terminated earlier this year for misconduct after sending nude pictures and explicit text to multiple inmates. The news team interviewed six, dif six different, both present and former inmates, who say there is a huge problem in the facility with misconduct. After another officer, who was listening to the inmates' calls, took note of the interviews, he notified the appropriate officials, and an investigation found it best to just terminate Palmer. In a small town like Safford, it's not unusual to find abuse of power running rampant, but that doesn't mean that we have to just accept it. The main thing that casted doubt on the Graham County Sheriff's Office was their limited transparency and uncooperative attitudes towards the media and the Sims family. A real investigation into Jordan Sims' death and sexual assault claims will probably never happen. But resolution for her family can. Was Jordan so troubled that she took her own life while in custody of Graham County Sheriff's Office? Was she killed for speaking out? Were they negligent in transporting her? Was she making all of this up? Is the culture inside Graham County Detention Center as bad as the women inside say it is? Or are we being misled by criminals? Of course, the only one who knows the truth to most of these questions can no longer give us clarity. But through her, maybe we can prevent it from happening again. So guys, that's the facts. That's where we are right now, as you can tell by the dates. Um, I, I'm not sure if this case is completely over. I'm not sure if this investigation is finalized. Um, please, if you are interested in this case and you want to learn more, 
go to YouTube. Guys, check out the sources I have below the description. You guys can go onto YouTube. You can hear videos of Jordan's voice, um, different things, news reports, sexual assault reports, um, interviews with attorneys from both sides. Um, a lot of these didn't give a whole lot of insight that I couldn't just give you myself. So I didn't play a lot of these videos uh, during the podcast. Not that they aren't useful. It's just it's not it's not eye-opening in any way. A lot of times when I like to play clips, I want you to hear it from their voice for a reason. I want you to hear the tone or I want you to hear this or that. But everything is very... Everyone's kind of got their I's dotted and their T's crossed in this case. This case could literally go either way. There could be some serious shit being hidden at this sheriff's department. Or there could just be... Uh, she could have just wanted to get out. She could have just been afraid. I mean, the fact that she tries to escape as soon as she gets to the prison doesn't doesn't sit well. It doesn't sit well with this whole thing. Because if she tried to escape then, why wouldn't she try to escape later? But it just seems impossible escaping later. Even with shower gel as lubricant. I mean, forgive me, but I'm a little skeptical that she would be able to get out of ankle, wrist, waist restraints, um, with some shower gel. And then also, how the hell do you get the door open? You must have hit the lock on your way in without them noticing. That's possible. I'm sure these officers, they, um, you know, they transport criminals all the time and it becomes very normal. And anything that you do all the time becomes very normal. There's things you're going to overlook. Like, did they ever have her standing beside the vehicle, even for a split second, uh, with the door open? Before they put her in. That's all she would need to just reach up and, and push that tab. That's all she would need to do. I don't understand why on police vehicles those tabs aren't, you know, locked into the, the lock position. I don't understand why they even have the option to move back and forth. I don't know. Maybe when the cops go and all get lunch together, they want to take the child locks off. So when they pull up, they can just get out. I don't know. It's, it sounds stupid. Um, but yeah, just all everything that had to happen. And then also... How rare is it that when someone falls out of a vehicle, they get ran over by the back tires? I mean, when you jump out the back side of an SUV, I feel like if you if you were going to jump out somehow, I think you would you would clear those back wheels. I mean, like you're still going to get fucked up from the impact of the road and from rolling to the curb. But I just I don't I don't understand how you get up underneath the vehicle. That just seems odd to me. It almost seems like she fell straight out. So that also, being the fact that she fell right up underneath the vehicle, that also kind of eliminates the fact that she was pushed. Unless she was pushed and she grabbed something on her way out. Because you remember her hands were free. Maybe on her way out, maybe they surprised her, they opened the door, they pushed her, and then she grabbed something. The door, the side, the back, the, the maybe the running board on the bottom of the car or something, and it pulled her body up underneath the car. There's, there's just a lot of weird circumstances, and the um, surveillance footage that shows the accident at the um, happening, it's just, it's so far away. The car, the, the, the surveillance video is mainly focused on this parking lot, and then at the top of the screen, you see this road coming by. So it happens up there, and you really can't tell. I mean, you see, you see something fall out of the car. You see it slow down. You see it pull up at the top. It turns around, comes back. You see officers running out of the vehicle. 
Um, but that's really all you can see. You, you can't really get any really good detail. You can't see anyone else in the back seat when that door opens. Um, there's just so many questions to all of this. And then, it, and then it's funny that the very incident where she jumps out of the vehicle or falls out happens to be caught on a camera? That also seems odd to me. It's like they, they knew that there were cameras there. They knew that this part was being surveyed, and this part of the road, rather, and they thought, well, this is a good time to do it. What better than video evidence? And then she got out. She's already tried to escape before, allegedly. But there's just so many questions here. It's so, many qu- it's so easy to play devil's advocate on both sides. Because the, you can go all the way back to when she was first arrested. If she was arrested for shoplifting, where is the merchandise? Why was she picked up? It just... It seems like this this one officer kinda kinda had it out for. Her. I don't know. But guys, that's my take on it, which I don't really know uh what my take is. I feel like there's something fishy going on here. I don't think a 28-year-old um recovering uh, mother of three, or mother of two, I'm sorry, mother of two would kill herself. I just I just don't think. Now, maybe trying to escape. Maybe she was trying to escape and killed herself on accident. I, I, even that, I don't see. She's not in here for a felony charge. She's in here for shoplifting. She knows she's not going to spend the rest of her life in prison. She knows she's only 28. She's been 30 days clean off of any narcotics. I just don't see this happening right here. I don't see her taking her life. I feel like if anything, she's going to stick it out, and then when she gets back out of prison, she's going to she's going to hopefully start a new life and reconnect with her children at least. I I don't know. I just don't understand the timing. Um, if, if this was her decision, if this was Jordan's decision to to try to escape here, I just don't understand the timing. So that's all I'm saying. All right, guys, let's get into the Lawrence synopsis. Let's break this shit down like some cardboard boxes and see what he says. All right, see you guys on the other side. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren Synopsis. Breaking down the case like. Breaking down the case like cardboard boxes. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren Synopsis. Breaking down the case like. Breaking down the case like cardboard boxes. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren Synopsis. Breaking down the case like. Breaking down the case like cardboard boxes. What's up, people? Lauren here, here to get my thoughts on this week's Strange and Unexplained, the very suspicious death of 28-year-old Jordan Marie Sims of Arizona, who at Christmas time last year in 2019 was arrested for shoplifting and for other warrants in regards to uh, theft. She was suffering from drug addiction at the time. She had lost her three children, who she loved very much and was apparently a great mother to, um, because of her drug addictions and her... Um, inability to stop stealing. Um, however, she was put in jail uh, during during Christmas time, and she accused the police officer who was transporting her to the jail and stopped at the hospital upon her request, saying that she was pregnant and had some pains, 
and the officer took her to the hospital and she says that while they were awaiting a doctor to come in in the uh, in the hospital room, he assaulted her sexually. She made that report. It was she was then taken for examination to see if she was in fact sexually assaulted, at which point the officer was put on leave. Found that a little suspicious that she was taken in for you know an exam and right after that the officer was put on leave it's almost you almost think that it would you could reverse that like the officer would be put on leave and then she would be examined um the way that it went down it would lead you to believe that they found something in the in the exam um that would you know that pointed to him actually assaulting her and that's why they put him on leave if she was examined and nothing was found why would they then put him on leave after that was a little weird <clears throat> but nonetheless she was taken to jail following this and she then claimed that um at i think it was 2 a.m in the morning she was taken in to take a shower by a female corrections officer who she claims then sexually assaulted her again um and said it was uh, of malicious intent that she was sodomized by this correction female corrections officer and the officer told her this is what it's like to really be sexually assaulted um so she was apparently getting back at her for um, speaking up about the abuse that the other officer had done to her. Um, and so she then makes a report about that. And then, um, the day after Christmas, she was being transported. Um, and the police vehicle was moving at 35 miles an hour. She was allegedly shackled. Her wrists and ankles were shackled. Um, as you do when you transport a, you know, someone who is in police custody, um, and so I, th I believe it's the wrists and ankles are shackled and then there's a chain connecting or some sort of a, a device connecting the wrists and ankles that make it very, very difficult to move. Um, I've heard, I've, I've never been shackled myself, but I've, I've heard from people who have that say that it's, it's difficult to do anything um, when it's done correctly. And so she was in the back seat of this vehicle. It was like in a police SUV cruiser. Um, she was shackled. And of course the door should have been childproof locked. Um, they would, uh, not allow anyone from the inside of the back seat to get out. Um, however, she was somehow able to get through multiple layers of defense, get out of the shackles, which were laying on the floorboard of the back seat, and get the back door open, and and then get the door open and go underneath the wheels of the vehicle. Seems extremely improbable. Um, I don't. I just don't know how. Like, as apparently there was some shower gel that she had been able to smuggle into the vehicle that allowed her to slip her wrists and ankles out of the shackles. That doesn't explain how the door was then able to be opened. Um, so unless she's some sort of a MacGyver or Houdini, you know, pulling magic tricks. Um, I don't know how she got out of the vehicle and then went under. I mean, there was some signs pointing to the fact that she may have been, you know, a little suicidal. The conversations with her mom on the cell phone from within the cell sounded as though they were like either she was afraid that something might happen to her or that she was suicidal. They sounded like conversations you might have with the loved one when you think you might be dying soon. Um, but then again, she was also in jail and emotional and it was Christmas time and you can, you can look at it multiple ways. Um, the, the, it seems as though the camera footage would leave you to believe that there were the officers were both in the front of the vehicle, not in the back seat. And if they weren't, if neither officer was in the back seat with her, there's no way they could have pushed her out. Obviously there's usually a cage between the back seat and the front. Um, however, it's, it's just also suspicious how camera footage, as far as police officers uh, so often seems to benefit them and not the people that they're in, you know, holding in custody. 
it's like their their camera body footage always seems to go on and off at their own you know device like when it helps them and so like how come over and over again on uh, police shows you know like live pd and cops i see footage from within the police cruiser right whether it's a cop car or an suv transporting people they always have a camera facing from the front to the back where the perp is in the back seat recording audio and video just in case the perp says something that can incriminate them that always benefits the police and the justice system right or it's like you know anything you say and do can be used against you in the court of law they record within the vehicle for for their own good for that reason if the perp says something or confesses to something they did they use that in court a lot of times where is this footage of her being transported this should have been rolling within that vehicle i would think Where's that footage? Where's the body camera footage from when they were driving? It's all suspiciously not on until after the accident occurs and she's laying in the road. That's when you see body cam footage, and it's from the other officers that respond to the scene that weren't in the vehicle in the first place. Other officers who also seem very suspicious of what happened, you know, questioning the, the police officers that were driving this transport vehicle, police officers or correctional officers, whichever they were questioning them and saying you know like how wasn't the door locked and the officer says yeah it was locked when i closed it okay well it's not it apparently was not locked you know and she got out of the shackles which means they weren't done correctly so either this is malicious murder on the part of you know the officers slash correctional officers that were transporting her or this is such malpractice in a sense i know it's more of a you know a doctor term but it, they they it was such you know, a shitty job done by them that put this, you know, person that they're in custody of, that they're responsible for, put them at risk. Whether If, if she showed signs of, of suicidal tendencies, you know, as they're alluding to, that she, she attempted suicide and, and ultimately succeeded in this by jumping out, according to them, then they are at fault because they, they allowed it to happen because they was, as they were supposed to do, they were supposed to have her shackled correctly and have that door um, incapable of being opened from the inside. So, you know, I, I'm in favor of these these officers that were transporting her um, being being fired. I don't, I don't advocate for that often, and I am a big supporter of, of the police. I am. I know that's these days sadly controversial, but I've talked out about, against them many times, um, saying that there is a fraternity aspect to them where they defend each other to a fault, and that needs to be corrected. I think that the poli many police departments across this country need to be completely reshaped and um, looked at, and they need better leadership, and they need better training, and all of that needs to be better. But without police, things can get real bad as well. So I just think it, things need to be looked at, evaluated, and be done better. And this is another scenario where things need to be done or better. These officers that were responsible for this for this woman failed miserably whether they intentionally killed her that that investigation needs to be you know done and um if they if it's found that they did kill them then they need to be charged with murder 100 percent. so yeah there's a lot of stuff that looks bad on the police on this um why why was there not a camera rolling within the vehicle within the inside you know when i know that is like common practice and i haven't been able to find anywhere what the result of their physical exam of jordan for sexual assault was what was the result of those because she was examined multiple times um, after reporting being sexually assaulted by the male officer and the female correctional officer what was the result you know why was the the male officer you know put on leave following her first exam did they find something 
I've heard, I've seen talks online of semen being found on her. And if that is the case, then what's the explanation for that? Um, that seems to be damning evidence um, to her, you know, being, you know, vindicated in her report. You know, and we know there's been endless accounts of police and people in power abusing their power. This had a bit of an Epstein feel to it, not going to lie. Um, you know, pending investigations and people being um, pot potentially, you know, reprimanded and, and fired and, uh, you know, uh, the police station even potentially being sued by the family of Jordan. A lot of stuff would have come of this if it was proven to be true, her allegations. Um, and there would have been a lot of efforts, if that was the case, to, you know, be made to be hushed, to hush her up potentially. So uh, you can see, you know, why uh, a police department would do something like that, would go to lengths like that to cover up something like this to protect themselves. I just hope that the truth comes to light. And I don't, I, I doubt that it will, though, just knowing how this stuff works, unfortunately. So that's my thoughts. Hope you guys enjoyed it. See you next week. All right, guys. Um, excellent synopsis as always, Lauren. Thank you very much for that. Um, I feel the same way. I think we. I think we all. I don't know how you can know all these details and have a surefire um, explanation for this. There's nothing else that needs to be done to this case other than more investigation. We just need more information. Like Lauren said, we need to know about that semen. Okay, it, there was semen found on her. Okay, it wasn't. It wasn't him. He used his fingers. Whatever. Even even that was her statement. Okay, well then, where did it come from? Whose is it? Why can't we test it? A, a, too small of a sample to test. That just sounds like bullshit to me. It really does. It's 2020. It's too small of a sample. Mm, I don't know about all that. But, anyways, guys, that is the very strange case of Jordan Marie Sims. Follow that online, guys, if you're interested. Like I said, you can go on YouTube. You can watch uh, the few newscasts and things like that. Uh, there's not a whole lot of information out there, and I think for a reason. And you guys know that's th that doesn't shy me away from these cases. I still want these cases to be part of the discussion. I still want them to show up when people search these, these victims' names. I want this stuff to be out there and public. So these cases will still be picked up. So thank you guys for uh, bearing with me on these because I know a lot of people don't like unsolved cases. They don't like the way that these end, and some of you do. Some of you enjoy a good puzzle. So hopefully this will, uh, maybe you can jump on Reddit and this will keep you up tonight and uh, you can figure this case out for me. But guys, I want to thank you either way for listening and supporting this show and giving me the opportunity to, to spread awareness about these cases. And the best way to do that, guys, is on Patreon. Patreon.com slash podcast. For just three bucks a month, you guys get early access um, to all of these episodes and you support this show. You, you help this show to continue to run. Just three bucks a month, guys. It's like half your Starbucks coffee. All right? I want to thank uh, James Harrington. Just became a patron this week and he jumped on at the $5 level. So he will be receiving the exclusive Strange and Unexplained um, Patreon sticker. Okay, which is, if, if you guys are on Patreon, you should see, I guess it's the main logo for Patreon, the main picture. It looks like the Strange and Unexplained logo, but it's like at night, right? So you have like a starry sky up there with the Velociraptors. 
and whatnot. And it's got a little bit of clouds at the bottom. And at the bottom, it's True Crime Guys is very, True Crime Guys Productions, rather, is, is very lightly put into the clouds. Okay? It's a little touch that I added at the end. But only $5 patrons get access to this wonderful exclusive sticker. It's a very elite club, just like on True Crime Guys with the Gold Creep Van sticker. So Only so many people have it. There's only one way we give them out, right? Can't buy them. So again, that's patreon.com slash podcast, guys, um, for all of the exclusive content. Also, check out my other show, Strange Shorts. I have a few episodes of a show called The Palette Cleanser that I've done, which will be... Um, which I will still do occasionally. The palate cleanser is just, uh, to be honest, I bit off a little more than I could chew at the beginning of this show and working on this show throughout the week as well as True Crime Guys and um, producing both of those podcasts. It's kind of it's kind of been a lot for me, okay? I, I, like I said, I'm going to be honest here. I bit off a little more than I can chew, but I am going to continue to do Strange Shorts. So keep your eyes open for new episodes of Strange Shorts, and that's only on Patreon. And you guys have access to Strange Shorts um, at the $3 level. So another great way to help the show is to leave a review, guys. Leaving a review really helps other listeners. It helps other people find the show. It helps people get an idea of what the show is about and what you like about it. Okay? So I want to thank a new reviewer from the U.S., AMS484. Left a five-star review. It says, concise yet informative. Long-time listener, first-time reviewer. I rode the freeloader train over from True Crime Guys and look forward to this podcast every week. I subscribe to so many True Crime podcasts and the concise yet informative episodes put this one in my top 10. So thank you so much, AMS484, for that wonderful review. Guys, it really helps the show a lot. Uh, Also, I want to say thank you to everyone who listens and downloads. uh, This show show just hit 100,000 downloads on December 5th, which is... Amazing. Thank you guys so much to just start in April. And here we are in December with my shitty advertising, which is very little. Um, And we've hit over 100,000 downloads. So a big part of that goes to you, the listeners, people who are sharing it, sharing it on their social media, sharing it in person, word of mouth, best way to share these shows. Okay. Thank you guys so much. Um, If you guys want to show your support of the show another way, you can check out our merch at truecrimeguys.threadless.com. Truecrimeguys.threadless.com. Check. There is a link below the description of this very episode you're listening to right now. And there are strange and unexplained, uh, there's strange and unexplained swag on there as well as True Crime Guys. So you guys can get on there. Surely there's something you'll like from sweatshirts, hoodies, t-shirts, tank tops, uh, wall art, uh, mugs, uh, what else? Masks for covid I mean, who knows how long COVID is going to last, right? So maybe you need a strange and unexplained mask. Mix it up a little. Pretty soon people are going to, I mean, people are already considering masks as part of their outfit. You kind of just have to do it, right? The other day I was wearing this dope, uh, like yellow beanie and I, like an idiot, forgot my mask. I drove over to my friend's house and then we were going to go ride somewhere together. And he's like, here, you can borrow one of my other masks. So he gives me this mask with this dope, like red and green and yellow peppers on it. Fell in love with it. Looked dope. I put it on, matched my beanie. He was like, you know what? You can have that. Looks amazing on you. And I'm like, hell yeah, it meant a lot to me. Somebody just gave me a mask that actually complimented my outfit. You know what I'm saying? Looks cool. But then I thought to myself, man, I'm actually thinking about masks as like a fashion thing now. Damn 2020. But anyway, guys, thank you for listening so much. 
I, you, you guys, you don't understand. Thank you. If you have a case suggestion, if you have something that needs more attention, I, I don't care if there's not a lot of info out there. I'm the show that will look into your case and dig and ramble until I have enough of an episode to do it. Okay? <laughs> Again, guys, thank you so much. And uh, I'll see you guys next week with another strange and unexplained case. So remember, be strange. Just don't be a stranger. Mm-hmm.